three young adults in the household and one teenager remaining. Okay, come here. Oh. Um, and uh, I, I am very thankful to see the relationship um, that has developed between the four of my kids. As most of you know, my brother and I are almost nine years apart. And I think in a lot of ways, it was kind of like being raised as only children. Um, and so it's kind of hard to have much sibling rivalry with a um, nine-month-old when you're nine years old. Um, so that, that's, uh, not necessarily my frame of reference. And so it's been a, it's been an, uh, an exciting, rewarding experience for me watching our four kids. Um, so we're, we're going to, um, and I'm going to be quiet here in just a second. And, uh, we're just going to kind of launch from, uh, talking a little bit about what we feel like has helped to, uh, create sort of the relationships um, as they are now. And I think one of them hopefully will touch on this. Um, I say as they are now, because there's been a lot of challenges and um, growth and development through the years. So I will, I will uh, yield the floor to um, someone that wants to kind of launch in um, Again, just kind of with regards at this point to where, um, <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you, uh, I'm sure most of you are well aware they're usually all way more talkative than that. So um, what do you guys feel like are some of the things, and kind of in light of where you are now especially, that have helped to contribute to the relationships that you guys have have built. So we don't actually have relationships. <laughs> Oldest one's gonna take it from here on this one. I think one thing is um like just thinking about it like our adventures especially yeah. um like just looking back, uh, especially over the last several years since we've all kind of um, grown up in, in teenagers and now, like he said, young adults and stuff. Um, I feel like as parents, they're all very uh, supportive and, and they always were kind of the really cool parents who funded our fun. And because of that, we got to do really um, fun things and just once, once in a lifetime things and create memories that were just unforgettable, and that that I mean that helps a relationship. It doesn't really create one, but to me, I think that that was always really one um, really cool thing was kind of doing these sporadic adventures together and things like that, and just creating memories. Um, I think another thing is it was always kind of like even growing up as kids, it was just. It was always a conversation and always like kind of the culture of our house that family is important and i think when that precedent is set by the parents it kind of trickles down and so it kind of just becomes a natural thing when you know we had i remember tons of conversations we have we always have family discussions so many family discussions <laughs> but it was always i just remember growing up 
like different things, uh, you know, they always just emphasize the importance of family and the importance of relationships in the home. And your siblings are, you know, the ones that understand your life the most, have been around you the most, probably know you the best. And so I think kind of having a culture in your home that encourages that is a big thing. Um, but we didn't, I mean, obviously, as kids, we weren't, as kids, we weren't, you know, just best friends and everything because we're kids. Yeah, talking off of that, the kids aspect, we're all very unique personalities and we're as kids as well. And so for a few examples, Nathaniel drove me absolutely insane when he was a child. Like the kid just got on my nerves. And then me and Timothy were troublemakers. And so we'd gang up together or we'd be at war. So that was fun. And then me and Elizabeth, like, we're just both females. So, you know, we have our moments of good and then moments of emotion. And so as kids, we kind of just, there wasn't ever this pressure of like, you have to be best friends with your siblings. Like you have to be your very best friends with Nathaniel who had this really high pitched voice. And I was like, ah, I can't be around him. And so, there was never this like forcing of you have to have this amazing connection, amazing connection. And so as we got older, we began, we always had that, like the importance of family, but it kind of sank in more as we got older. And then we realized like, wow, you know, Nathaniel's voice is deeper and he's actually a cool person. It's great. Like Timothy, we still can get into trouble. It's great. But, and Elizabeth, I just love her. We're great. It's great. We still have our moments, we're both still females. <laughs> um, but as we got older, because there was never this pressure of, you have to be best friends, you have to be best friends, it was always just this encouraging it, but kind of hands off of, we'll let you do what you're gonna do. And so that I feel like, kind of both things they said, just the culture of our home and kind of encouraging adventures together um, has been really, is that the word you used? Yeah. To us, foster, fostering? That's a lot of you know really good words back to back. I, I don't know if it actually I makes sense. Oh, sorry. Today. I stole your word. Um, to us, having really good friendships as adults, even though we're young adults. Do you have to tag in now? He's speechless. Yeah. You guys also like Give me a topic and I'll just go on. Talk about our, um, I was thinking about the, just the fact that you guys never like underestimated us as kids, the importance of not harboring offenses. And to me that, and you can, you could probably tag off of that just because, but countless nights, I don't know about countless, but that, that maybe that's, yeah, that's definitely an exaggeration, but like I can remember points in times um, growing up where at, I mean, Elizabeth would probably be like, who knows, like 14 or 15 or something at the oldest, so that would make me like really young, and nights where we would all confess these terrible offenses and sob and hug and pray and all these things, but to me that was really like important because what that did was, like, 
I mean, just me, and then you, you even told stories about when they were even younger and things like that. I mean, six years old, you're not neglecting the fact that as a six or seven year old, there could be things that I'm holding on to and grudges and stuff, which could be turning into reactions and all that stuff. So we were kind of always like this family that kind of like got everything out there and healed from it, which I think was so helpful down the road. Uh, and you can, yeah. yeah. I know, I know a lot of families that like they don't talk, but we always had family meetings all the time, all the time. Come on, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we would have family meeting, family meeting, six o'clock. Be there. Now we get texts. Uh, yeah, now you get texts. Yeah. yeah, we get yeah. texts. But we still before have it was just like everyone's like at the breaking point to yeah. have to have the family true. meeting. <laughs> Usually started with a slam door, and yeah. then the family kind of came around full circle. I, I will. I don't, I'm sorry, no, Timothy. You can keep going if you want, but You're, he was on a roll. No, he, he's good. I think he feels something. <laughs> well, I, I just want to, especially to those that may be watching, with you're in the younger kid phase. Um, Timothy and Nathaniel, especially in this context, I feel like have a really great relationship. Now, <laughs> was not always don't, like that. Uh, don't let what you see now think that um, all their lives it was that uh, quite the same. No, actually, um, almost every night when we tucked them in and turned out the lights, all of a sudden they had a relationship that was good. Because then they couldn't stop talking and carrying on. They would talk. They would fight all day long. And then talk all night. And we would have to break them up and do all that. We'd put them to bed, turn out the lights, and then we'd go in every ten minutes. Time to stop talking. Sometimes the thing he would just be talking up like, hey, bro, if I don't answer... I remember this. It's a sad thing. Let's say I'm listening or I'm not. I would... So I would fall asleep and he'd still be talking yeah. and I would tell him, I would, I would lie to him. I would, be like, I would be like, listen, if I don't say anything, I'm listening, all right? Just just know I'm listening. It was the start of but our relationship. He would just keep things. talking and I would be, I'd be knocked out. My and then, was the closest. And then sometimes, sometimes, so sometimes I'd hear, Timothy? Like, I was like, I'm loading on you, bro. Yes. <laughs> you're talking to everything, but I didn't sleep. My entire day. Yeah, trust Gosh. I let it all go. You were just wow. I think I want to I want to circle back to something here before we maybe move on to another area. But and it's kind of to Esther's point, and I guess I'll speak from the parental perspective. And if my wife wants to chime in, um, I feel like what she said is pretty accurate, <laughs> in that we've watched through the years at times where. Different ones seem to go through phases or seasons where they were kind of sandpaper with each other. Um, seems to me that most of those times, of course, not everybody has four kids, but seems to me that they always usually had another sibling that they were pretty much in good standing with. Um, but I think uh, I think I think trying to recognize that and not necessarily I mean I would beg I would beg I would beg to differ with the implication of the number of family meetings but that's that's really neither here nor there um, but I think 
the context of that, again, was not trying to force something as much as really what Nathaniel said, and that is trying to encourage to kind of keep a clear spirit, um, a clear heart towards each other. He was speaking about making things more clear. I think that's one thing. I almost want to use the word tactful, that they were very like, is that the right word? Purposeful. purposeful. There it is. Why am I using all these weird words? Um, um, was we'd have these family meetings because we keep bringing them up. Um, have to give the dog to, up for adoption. Okay, sit right here. Family meetings. Oh, to get to the root of the issues between us. And so, like Nathaniel said, if we begin harboring offenses, whatever would be going on, they kind of just knew that our lashing out wasn't based. Like, yes, it was based on you pushed a button and I reacted badly, but there's something going on below the surface that needs to be addressed. And so we'd have these times, it would be, sometimes it would just be one-on-one, -on -one, like me and Timothy, I think, had the most of moments where my parents would take us into their room and we'd sit for hours upon hours waiting to get to Yes, of it, it wasn't healthy for us spiritually to have an offense towards one another just in general. And so while it wasn't this pressure of you guys have to be best friends, it was you don't need to go to hell because of something they did for you. And I feel like that was a really helpful kind of lesson to learn early on to continue it as now we're adults. I feel that way about other people, but we still maintain that among each other, and just to be completely honest, whatever, a few weeks ago, over October, we basically had a family meeting to talk about me and Timothy, just because my mom felt like there was stuff going on, and it wasn't super personal, it wasn't like putting all our business out for everyone, it, it, not stuff like that, but there was some stuff going on between us that needed to be discussed, and while we are good friends, we weren't necessarily seeing that was what was going on between us, and so, it was helpful to have someone pointed out, like, you're struggling with her because of this, and you're struggling with him because of this, and you're lashing out out of these deeper-rooted things that you need to deal with. And really because no matter what, we need to deal with those because we don't need to hold offenses in our hearts and stuff. So while it was up for us, you know, as we're older, it's a little bit more on us to make sure we're taking care of it when we were younger. They did try to make sure more that our relationships were clear, but just using that as an example, we still have that kind of culture of making sure everything's good between us, but still just encouraging friendship, but not forcing it. I personally, when someone, I've had this before, one time someone came up to me and was like, you need to be best friends with my daughter. And I was like, I don't even wanna be friends with your daughter now. Like, you're gonna force that on me. You're gonna tell me to do that. That makes me react and say, I don't want to do that at all. I'm actually friends with the daughter, so that's good. But just saying, because they didn't do that to us, I think that was super helpful. Because knowing my personality, I keep talking about Timothy, we're similar in a handful of ways. Um, his personality, we're going to react to that 
in the opposite of what's being asked of us. So I don't remember the phases. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking a lot, so if it's any consolation, the problems never stop. They just get a lot more complicated. It used to be like he took my toy now. Yeah, I'm like Yeah. Just more complicated. Well we don't wanna discourage them too much. Sorry. But for those of you in the preschool days, even the newborn days, it seems difficult. It really does. It's physically tiring for sure, but it changes. That's, that's, I'm just going to leave that there. It changes. However, in order to not make sound terribly negative, because that just, you know, there's also light at the end of the tunnel for those of you, you know, that are in that stage where you've got, especially multiple children. And it, one thing I've always said is that the days are long, but the years are short. And that's something that uh, we have found to absolutely be true. I don't think that we could have ever imagined that we would sit here in front of you with uh, four adult children. So one who thinks he's an adult anyway, but so, yeah. Theo. Yeah. <laughs> I guess let's, uh, let's shift a little bit here then. And again, I want to, realize I'm repeating myself. I understand some of this is uh, not necessarily the broadest of scopes here. So um, if nothing else, I'm just at least acknowledging to you that we recognize that. Um, and I think this next one, we're going to kind of talk about it in the context of, a, um, of having multiple children. But I, I think even if you have a... Um, you only have one child I think there's there's some of this that I think is still very applicable and could be beneficial and that is um, and I think my wife probably gets the credit for starting us down this pathway as parents um, and that is um, allowing and um, respecting I would say supporting but not sure if it's always supporting in some areas, <laughs> but individuality and uniqueness. Um, and I think it really, I feel like we really tried this intentionally from very early on, starting with the girls. In fact, I'll give you a little story as to what I think contributed to that. Uh, my brother and I actually shared a room until I was, uh, I think my senior year of high school. Again, we're nine years apart, and that was, we had two other available rooms in the house, but uh, I wanted to share rooms. And so finally, my senior year, I moved out. And so that was kind of my frame of reference. And so I really, uh, my dream was for the girls, and then once we had the two boys, to share rooms until they got married. Um, so, um, yeah, um, not quite, but we started off that way with the girls for, um, of course the first year or two was definitely not an issue, but, um, we moved into from the townhouse where Esther was born, right? And Timothy, but Esther, and then to the, to the next house and the girls shared a room. And um, 
it worked for a little while. There was one part of the room that was always perfectly in order. Bed was made every day. There was another part of the room that not so much. And um, leave it to all of you to guess who's who. Um, and I think really neither one of them handled the pressure of that. And uh, it took my wife a little while to uh, finally get me to cave into allowing them. I felt like there was a closeness that they may not have, which turns out that was not the case at all. So again, from a very early on time, I feel like we have worked to support and encourage um, not try. And I know there have been times we've made the mistake, as all parents have, of making comparisons. Sometimes in moments of frustration, uh, another sibling has gotten referred to. Um, but the majority of the time, I feel like the overarching um, pattern is that of supporting that individuality. So I don't know if you want to tag in off of that before we sort of let them. Uh, I just, I, just to kind of share from your perspective how hopefully that has helped each of you. I think I can take this one off because throughout my years I've switched a lot of times what I want to do and so like education wise I kind of struggled for some part of it and whenever I had problems and stuff my mom always like helped me figure out a solution so like when I was at Antioch Christian School I wasn't doing good she brought me home had me homeschool um, a lot of times it was trips to the thrift <laughs> shop quote unquote homeschool. thrift store with sister Kimbrough looking at furniture but you know she was just training me in case I wanted to go into design one day and do exactly. houses, but no, but um, economics. Yeah, you know, but um, probably than that, like even I think when I was a kid, I wanted to be a cop, and then I was gonna do cyber security, and then I wanted to do law, and every time I had something that like I wanted for myself, my mom always would sit down with me, we'd look at stuff, she'd help me get classes that needed to help me with that, and I think a lot of times, I'm sure parents are probably like. No, you need to do this, you need to do that. But I don't think my mom ever really, anytime I told her I had like a dream or something I wanted to do in the future, she wasn't like, no, you don't need to do that. It was more of like a, okay, how can I help you achieve that? And I think a lot of times parents want their kids all to be perfect and not do what they want, per se, sometimes. As in like, they want like the perfect family and everything. But sometimes Nathaniel wants to do something different than Esther. Esther's done, um, you've gone to several schools and everything, but in the end, are you doing what, no, but in the end, are you doing what you want to do and what's making you happy? Yeah, because I think that my parents, that's the biggest thing is they kind of just, our dreams, they take it for themselves and they help us achieve them as much as possible. So I think that's a good thing. A slightly less grown-up version of that, because he's mainly talking about college and career and stuff, um, a more everyday example, as many have seen, even though it's a, it's a little dialed back, I like to express myself in my clothes. I've passed that on to Nathaniel. I claim that. Um, but when I was younger, and in like the really crazy phases, there was always this line that my mom said when I came out in like, who knows what, the neon tutu phase. For sheer alders, she's the real one. Um, the neon tutu phase, like, you know, that was a party. But I'd come out, you know, ready to go to church, 
and I'm like, hey, how's this outfit? And my mom would just be like, she'd look at it, she'd be like, it's modest. And I knew that was like a, yeah, no, but you do you. And so I was told that a lot, <laughs> not in a bad way, but, um, but that was really helpful in that they let me wear what I wanted to an extent, as long as they made sure, okay, you're modest, you're good to go. You can express yourself however you want. And so it has been funny to see how the dynamic between me and my mom with that and then Nathaniel and my dad with that. Cause <laughs> they're, let's just say I take him shopping more often yeah. than he does. So I, I have to be behind the scenes like, no, no, let him do that, let him do it. It's cool, I support it. So same thing with Timothy actually. Elizabeth is, you know, we have some days we're similar and then we have days where we call them personality outfits. And I'll be in who knows what, and she'll be very put together and looking all nice and stuff, like a little J. Crew model. Um, <laughs> and so, just like the everyday thing of what you're wearing became kind of an opportunity to let us express ourselves, but give us all that air, that room <coughs> to kind of be who we wanted and stuff like that. And so, that was super helpful. And that has. Um, kind of bled over into different aspects of our lives and so there's been like similarities and differences and like Timothy said like for me I've gone to four colleges now I don't recommend that don't follow my footsteps anyone transcripts. Um, it is pull an Esther stay a semester don't do it though okay but we that kind of creative expression and living your life out to the fullest in you know, who you are and what you do has bled over into college and career and ministry. Um, yes, we, you know, all four of us are involved in music, but we all have very different music ministries. People talk about how Timothy, when he plays piano, like his spirit of ministry behind him playing piano is so powerful. Well, that's him expressing himself through that ministry. And then you have Nathaniel, where he's growing into this worship leader. That's amazing to see. And Elizabeth is developing as a worship leader. And I worship lead and all the different things. And, you know, he plays piano and now how much he's grown in guitar. And kind of letting who we are just be seen and not be, like, not putting us in a box necessarily for every aspect of our life. Like, all four of us, yeah, we sing. But we're not all forced to sing on a regular basis. Timothy would much rather hide behind the piano and the organ and drums, and I'm calling him out, calling him out right now. But he sings, but he's not forced into the box of we know you sing, so you're gonna do that because all the other three sing, so you're gonna do this too. It's you're gonna express yourself in your own way, and so that's been a really good dynamic to see one how it started when we were little, but then growing up, how we've developed and grown into it, so. I think another thing as kids was, my mom's very creative, my dad's very creative too. We always talk about on vacations, we would like break out coloring books and his were always like immaculate, like we would get done and it was like perfect. We're sand, wow. sand castles at the beach. Yeah, know, like it was like just, a real you know, life sandcastle. It's like crazy. Be laying in my bed. Pent up creativity, <laughs> but we, made messes as kids and it just yeah. but like each in our well, own way like well, maybe not in a thing yeah. and i think it doesn't do messes 
I helped clean the rest of them too. Me and Timothy made a lot of messes. Elizabeth was involved and then cleaned it all up. And Nathaniel was just his own little. You know? said organizing um, crayons. Yeah, organizing these crayons. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, but it just, it kind of created this, I feel like this atmosphere of just, like, mistakes can happen, too. And, like, there's grace for mistakes. And so, yeah, you made a mess, but, like, you know, let's, we'll figure out how to clean it up. Or we'll do whatever. And so it kind of, like, as kids, I feel like that kind of, like, leads into, as teenagers... And young adults like seeing the different sort of aspects that you can branch out into and you know maybe you do want to try this like different different hobbies different things I mean we're all like we all have very similar interests but personality wise we are four very different people like Esther and I have the opposite Myers-Briggs personality type like complete opposite but we're able to like totally, she talked about, you know, clothes. I can go in her closet and pick out an outfit that's like totally Esther. And she can come in my closet and pick out an outfit that's like totally Elizabeth. But um, like, it's not necessarily something I would have like done for myself, but we know each other that well and we can do that. But we had that space to like branch out and have fun and kind of sort of discover ourselves as, as kids. Um, I guess I'll sort of tag off of all this, but um, kind of narrow it down with, to one of the questions we did receive a couple of weeks ago, and that was a little more so about um, father-son, father-teenage-son relationships. And I'll throw this out there, and hopefully one of these guys can chime in with something. But um, one of the things I feel like um, is important, and I'll kind of use an example, I guess, is anybody that knows me knows that I've always been very much into sports, athletics, watching, etc. And um, both of my sons are athletic, have played various sports through the years at times, but from my perspective, neither one of them have ever been into sports to the same degree. Um, again, uh, the, we all still play golf together, and uh, but everything else is... Timothy knows all the stats and all that better than I do. I don't do all that, but um, uh, I, uh, Leo and I watched the Army-Navy game together. Um, which didn't really want anybody there once it was over anyway. But uh, so I, I feel like um, when it comes to that, and probably hopefully this could apply to mother-daughter as well, but in this context, as, as we were talking, and I don't, I wish I had some other great advice to give on that topic, but I, I do feel like that's a, an important thing. I know um, a, lot of, a lot of times the challenges for a a parent to live vicariously through their kid, um, and so I, I, in the con, in this context, with regards to just the two boys here, um, young men. Sorry, um, I feel like that's kind of another application that, to me, is kind of a important part 
um, of, of that relationship. Um, because I think sometimes it's kind of easy as dads to sort of expect your sons to just kind of duplicate you. Um, and I feel like overall, uh, my sons and I have had a fairly healthy relationship and I feel like that's um, been a part of it. Um, and we kind of, we went to Navy football games for years, somebody provided my dad season tickets and we would go and it was kind of hit or miss if one of them would go if I was available I was going um, but I tried to never um, make them feel badly if they weren't interested if they didn't care to go and I'm pretty sure there's a couple times they went simply um, to kind of appease me because there didn't appear to be a whole lot of interest in the game <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, so I don't know if you guys don't have to, but either one of you have anything to add in this um, context. I guess one thing I'll talk about when it comes to, like, as the father perspective from a son, I think one of the biggest things my dad did growing up and even now is he never, like, forced me to be like him. But the thing is, he was always a role model, model as the fact that even now, a lot of, like, in my relationships or even just anything I do... I just look back to all the things my dad did because he set that example. And even even when he wasn't, he didn't know we were looking, he wasn't trying to do it on purpose. He was just being him. He just kind of showed me what it is to be a man. And it, from the the from anything from him redoing our, our bathroom or working outside to even when him and my mom are in a conversation and the way he listens and then takes everything in, I've literally used that myself. And I'm like, that's what my dad did. He sat and he listened and he waited and then he talked to someone. Um, I just think one of the biggest things is just kind of be the man you want your son to be when he grows up, but don't make him be that man. Just be the model for him, but don't try to mold him yourself. So just kind of show him what you want him to be, but don't be like, no, you didn't do it like me or you like this team or whatever. Like my dad likes the Cowboys. I like the Patriots. My dad wasn't even like, oh, man, I can't believe you're a Patriots fan. He was just like, all right, man, that's your team. Like, all right, whatever, cool. But I think just one of the biggest things is my dad, and even if you look at it as him as a pastor, he never was a different person on the platform than when he was at home. He still was the head of the household, and he wasn't – I don't think he ever disciplined me in a way because I disappointed him or anything like that. It was just he wanted me to grow up to be someone, obviously, but – yeah, I mean, I'll go off of that, you know, um, and just kind of, I was literally thinking, like, the same exact, essentially the same exact points, and I was just, um, I guess, kind of the respect level, um, and that was, you know, especially in this context of father-son, but I guess you could apply it to any relationship, and I was just, you know, you want your son, or you want to have a good relationship with your son, you want them to respect you, you know, be... A respectable father you know in everything that you do because literally you know everything you just said I was thinking about um, and I was just like I've always had so much respect for him um, just because I've watched him in every single area every single aspect um, like he said whether it was on the platform whether it was on at home in every heated situation on the good days and on the bad days all of that I've watched him and in every area 
I watched him act in a respectable manner. Um, and not only that, but like he said, a role model in something that I say, okay, I want to pattern my life after that. I want to, I would like to act the same way. And furthermore, um, literally same, same exact point, um, because although, you know, no one ever sees the side of things or anything, but, um, you know, him and I have led very, you know, we've had many mistakes over the years, many, many things, many trials, whatever, um, and through all of that, like he said, uh, I think one of like the, the biggest things I cringe at um, is when I am talking to a friend or something and they tell me that they messed up or something and their parent told me um, that they were disappointed in them and, and things like that. I can look back on my teen years and there were, there were times where I, I would make mistakes. I'm still a teenager. <laughs> my younger teen years. Yeah, damn. Um, we're look back at my teenagers in the last year or today. Um, anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. My younger, you know, whatever. But uh, can look back at kind of some of the, the younger years and everything like that. And there were times where he literally looked me in the eye. And, and despite me getting in trouble, despite my mistakes, despite all of that, straight told me, I am not disappointed in you. There, he he's told me before. There is nothing you can do um, to disappoint me, and that was such a which was such a big thing because what he set was a relationship that wasn't based on a performance mentality, and um, which is kind of a difficult thing for probably a lot of fathers. But he set this standard of, in a sense, unconditional love, um, and and what that kind of set was. And, and he was this role model, but what it kind of told me was, you know, there's no mistake, which, I mean, you just gotta kind of have a good dad for this, you know, but it kind of just set the, the, the standard that there was no mistake, like I knew that there's nothing I could do to ever um, take away his love or to ever stop his love towards me. Um, and he made that very clear though, uh, which goes back to being respectable, you know, in and of itself and just being a great dad. So that's, that was kind of what I was thinking. We need to move on before we need to get to Kleenexes. So. <laughs> Not expecting all that. Um, well, before I kind of go on, we have any questions? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, this person asked, how do you navigate the power struggle in the tween years? How do you navigate the power struggle? Does that mean like you, you want to be? I can speak to this. Oh, sure. wow. Esther, Esther. You just pray a lot as a parent <laughs> because we are very strong personalities, and we were as little kids. And honestly, I'm pretty sure the only thing that got my parents through was prayer mm -hmm. and grace and supernatural strength. Because, and me and my mom talked about this when I was younger, tween to probably 16, um, I hated her. And I've said this before, literally we've talked about this, like I turned into this crazy child. And I think one of the number one things I can say is uh, we'd have some sort of a blow up, some sort of a crazy blow up, whatever. But she always came back and made sure that we kind of settled whatever happened or if things were harboring, then we settled it later. Or even, you know, kind of years down the road and not holding grudges, but years down the road, kind of looking back and seeing um, like what was going on. And as, even though I'm only 22, looking back 10 years ago, 
with grace and seeing where she was at and but then also really appreciating how they handled it and so I feel like but honestly my opinion personally is that they probably just prayed a lot for their own grace and strength and also for us to pull through me to pull through that's my two cents on that but anybody else we concur <laughs> Between, like, parent. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking it was, I was assuming it was between parents. Yeah, power struggle between yeah. parent and child, us, I and guess. Or something. Yeah, we weren't all twins together. Yeah, I, 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 I think, to me, another important factor in all that is kind of, um, I, I, I made a note the other day with, it was a different context than family in this setting, but uh, I think it's important to distinguish between what is a pattern versus what is a more of an individual occurrence um, because thankfully as we sit here this evening I can say um, and I realize uh, if I could just say it this way and it not sound defensively I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> we're in a situation and um, that there's a lot of people that from the outside looking in probably have misperceived <laughs> this household in the sense that we've had our fair share of struggles and ups and downs. Um, we, we have not by any stretch parents or children lived any of this family stuff perfectly. Um, but so I, I, I think it's important though to, uh, let me back up, I'm jumbling up in my own head here. While each of them at different times have been through struggles, what I have sensed and seen and believe that I felt in my spirit from each one of them was that their heart was in the right place. And so if there was some kind of struggle they were going through there was a power struggle rather than completely reacting or overreacting to that particular situation it wasn't that there didn't need to be some guidance or direction with that situation but hanging on to the, the overall um, I don't, I don't want to put our stuff out there too much uh, but I won't go into details of this because it's more our personal story, but we had a situation one time where a man of God I respect very much, this was several years ago, said to us that, that uh, the devil had put a target on Timothy's back, I don't know, back or whatever, target on him and was out to destroy him. And... Um, the thing I think that was the reassuring for me through some of that timing was again watching the overall pattern um, and not not overreacting to any one particular moment that really wasn't the true reflection of who he or the other ones in those times who they were um, so. 
I, I just tagging off of that, I think that's that's the way God looks at us. <laughs> I, you know, if God judged us for one day, one moment in time, oh my goodness, that you know, um, there would be no hope. <laughs> and God looks at our life, and so um, that power struggle question. <laughs> if you want to watch my class on Realm, it's on there. Um, I can put you in my class because I talk a lot about power struggles and family life. Um, but one thing that I will say, and I was not always great at this, especially with Esther, she's smiling now, but um, is try not to overreact. Um, overreacting is, whew, it's a huge problem. And, and honestly, they'll probably would all sit here and tell you, wow, mom, like I kind of wish you'd heard this, you know, preach this to yourself 10 years ago. Um, so, but they all know that, and I've apologized to them multiple times, but unfortunately, I learned a lot the hard way. Um, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody watching. I'm the volatile one out of the two of us. Um, but I spent a lot of time overreacting, and, um, and some of that was because, you know, you sweat the small stuff. You sweat, you you take one incident or one action or one, you know, thing and, and you blow up and then all of a sudden it becomes, and I get into it in my class and you can watch my class, but it basically, parents, it's basically you're the problem, just so you know, <laughs> um, because you're probably um, overreacting based on things that have happened to you in your life. Um, but all that said, Another thing, in my opinion, with the power struggle in the tween and teen years, to keep in mind, and um, Pastor always said this to me, and actually, like, I didn't really fully comprehend it um, for a while, but he would always make the statement, try to say yes more than you say no. And I, it, like, the, as they grew up, I started to realize the power in that. Um, there's just something about telling a kid, no, 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 mom, can I do this? Dad, can I go here? Can, no, no. Instead, um, try to gauge the things, the activity, whatever it is, um, like, it, you know, just whatever. Back to Esther and her, you know, fluorescent tutu, whatever. It, you know, it's a simple example, but, and I can't think of all the things offhand, but just saying yes to that, like, Rather than making it some whatever by saying no, that turns into a big explosion, etc. So, working on saying yes more than you say no, and I don't mean that, and if you need more clarification, we'll be happy to talk to you. But understanding the right context, I'm not saying passive parenting, etc. And I think you guys, I don't even know if you could give an example, a better example, but just um, it's important in those years to try to, or to try to um, divert the situation, or, it, you know, when kids are little, you know, they always say, don't just take away the toy, but instead, in fact, Rhonda Gross, shout out to you, because I learned this with Timothy, because she was awesome with Timothy, when he would go to nursery, she would say, Timothy, I would come pick her up, she, she'd say, unfortunately, Timothy had a couple toys go to toy jail tonight, and and it was funny, and I knew what she was saying was, 
she she didn't just take a toy from him because he wasn't sharing, wasn't doing, he probably hit a kid in the head with it. But, um, you know, oh, that toy, she basically was a master at um, handling a situation in such a way that Timothy didn't even realize, you know, that he was kind of a psycho, but, um, you know, but I'm just saying, so moving that into, like, diverting the attention, and I, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to sound like I'm rambling, but it, it it's actually super important. Um, I think it's kind of like where Nathaniel says, some of the adventures or some of the whatever, I don't want y'all to think, like, we go skydiving or we're, like, you know, cliff jumping, or, you know, that's not the adventures. In a lot of ways, what I say, when I say, like, saying yes more than no, it might just mean if you see something coming up in your child's life and you know, like, okay, they're going to want to go to that and that's not healthy for them or good for them, instead, we might be like, oh, hey, guys, this Saturday, we're going to go do this. They don't even have a clue that we just diverted the whole thing so that we avoided that conflict. So that's kind of, does that all make sense? Um, so you can kind of see what it looks like as a child and then growing up in um, the older years. But anyway, so I just kind of wanted to throw that Some out there. Questions. Some parent Are psychology. Any questions? Are there any funny questions? Send funny questions. Who takes the longest to do their hair in the house? Well, there's no questions. I'll uh, we'll, we'll go one or two more things here and then kind of wrap it up. Um, maybe we'll get a few funny questions. But this one, uh, I don't know. This this may be more important to us as parents. I I think I think um, they hopefully will have a perspective. I think they will. Uh, we've actually said this, just said this a couple of weeks ago to young married couples, several of which have no children, and uh, that is the, to me, the importance of creating traditions in your family, in your home, and that can be anything from holidays, birthdays, other things. Um, I would say for us, some of our biggest traditions revolve around holidays, not just Christmas, but Easter and other holidays. But, and, and again, from the parental side of this, um, what's, what's really been kind of neat to me is these last couple of years, especially as all four have grown up, um, that things we started when they were really young, uh, they, they have still asked are we doing them? Um, are, 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 are we having this? Are we going there? And uh, that, that just um, very rewarding, I guess I would say. Um, it was fun in the younger years. We did things that I enjoyed them in the moment, but there's also just something at this season. Um, and so I just, and again, it's some of this is based on the time of the year, I guess is why I really wanted to say this and encourage. And I, realize we're kind of halfway through the holiday season pretty much, but there's still time. Um, so I don't know, anybody want to affirm from the, uh, the young perspective? Um, we got thumbs up. 
So, um, but I mean, they those, don't have to be expensive. Absolutely. I always like to stress that they do not have to be expensive. These traditions and things. I mean, yesterday this was free, technically. That's no. true. Homestead Gardens, you can go down there for free and look at the train set and the houses and yeah, perfectly free. So no pressure, but <laughs> we tell people about our Christmas traditions. We've done since we were little. It kind of sounds like we grew up in a Hallmark movie. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, not to set the bar. We have like in the bed for every day, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my word! Oh no. It would be a good Hallmark movie, probably better than most. Hallmark, you know? <laughs> if you're watching, take notes. Take notes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A right Christmas. Still no more questions? Um, yes, you do have one question. Oh. Uh, he was asking where Patsy gets those socks from. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Nice. Uh, you know what? I feel horrible because somebody just gave, actually, oh, I think oh, it was the Voglers, if I'm not mistaken. Forgive the poor memory. I am almost 50 now. <laughs> I think the Voglers. Nice. Yeah. You don't send funny questions, you're not submitted. Yeah. I will. I want to touch on one or two more things, and then maybe we'll get a few more. It's kind of funny. Timothy is usually keeps the house rolling with laughter, but when he's on the spot, it just doesn't quite. So, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> you saying I'm not funny right now? No, I'm saying when you're on the spot, you don't. It doesn't always flow quite as freely when we try to oh, force it. No, you're always. I just mean, right you're a little scripted. I just mean when it's spur of the moment, you're not being told to be funny. It's, it, Sorry if I'm not the happens. That's wow. That was. Not I, yeah, I thought you were seeing him not funny. So we I, have I, to have I, a family discussion about yeah. it. Yes. We're going to have yeah. a meeting after this. Hours. Yeah, we will be meeting things. for hours, apparently. After so this. So uh, yeah. You know what? Okay, we were children. Yeah. It felt like hours. Yeah. Hours. But I, I, I do, there are, there are this, this may be just a couple things I want to just say briefly from my pastoral perspective, not necessarily a discussion that can chime in, but... Um, I've uh, I've asked I've made it a point to ask, um, sort of I guess a lot of times visiting pastors ministers who have families and who have especially older children, and in particular those that have older children, what that are in the church what they felt like they did that contributed to that, and some of you perhaps have heard me tell this before but. The very first time Brother J.J. Bourne came and ministered for us several years ago now, he and I went out to eat the first evening he arrived in town, Saturday evening, and we were sitting and just talking, and so I asked him that question. What do you feel like is the key to children being raised in the church and staying in the church? And uh, he said that he felt like the biggest key was that the parents were on the same page. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting because I've observed throughout my ministry at times where families, where mom and dad were not on the same page. Um, and one area where that's really critical is when it comes to lifestyle. Uh, one parent was, was supportive of 
sort of a biblical lifestyle while the other parent was a little more free in their, um, what they were willing to allow, what they supported. And um, I, in looking back at that conversation, I feel like that's been a factor for us is that my, my wife and I um, being on the same page and um, not and, and so not not one of us saying one thing and then the other one coming and undermining that um, with something different one saying this is what you better do and then the other one coming along and saying no you don't have to do that so I, I, I think that's that's really critical and again especially to those of you that are currently raising children in your household I, I, I want to encourage you um, if you've got disagreements those need to be handled as best you can behind closed doors and not in front of your children to hear um, that that disagreement so that's one thing y'all yes I, yeah off of that just real quick because I don't know it's something that um, her and I have like discussed many times and I don't know if you could call it a pet peeve or whatever um, but one thing that and like we've had several discussions about this in the last several months um, and I talked to the I t actually talked to the youth group about this one time about the factor of being converted, um, so to speak. And um, what we've talked about many times is just because, you know, even as Pastor has said, um, he he grew up with a drug addiction, and because his parents struggling to church, you can raise your kids dragging them to church every Sunday and it doesn't guarantee a walk with God um, whatsoever and one of the factors that I would say probably all of us could say was there had to be a point in time in our lives whether it was through a struggle or whether it was just naturally couldn't be forced by them but it had to this had to become our own um, it's like he's preached before you know the um, the God of Abraham had to become the, the God of Isaac and 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 all those things, and, and it, they had to receive it for themselves. And I would say encourage that, um, just because I watch as parents, you know, they take their their kids to church every week. And even if you're faithful, and even if you put them on the pew, um, that that doesn't last them. And, and in turn, we kind of raise these lukewarm Christians, so to speak, because they they grow up, and it never really becomes their God. Um, and I feel like for each and every one of us, there's kind of a point in our lives where this wasn't something that mom and dad did, and this wasn't whatever, and like I said, kind of going back to being converted, so to speak, in the sense of just, you know, I don't go to church because it's what my parents do anymore. I go to church out of my own um, uh, love for truth and, and walk with God and all those different things, and so... If your kids, you feel like they haven't had that point, obviously that's not really something you can force, but it is something that you could be conducive to. There's a word. Um, it, you know, it is something you can promote, and and I think that kind of just comes from an atmosphere uh, very helpful to that. Um, but it, it has to become their own. I think something with that um, is seeing... A real life example of God's grace and so for me I've made mistakes 
And uh, one time I told my parents something and my mom's immediate, immediate, did not skip a beat. Like I was shocked at how instant it was, was, so what? It doesn't mean I love you any less. You can't do anything to make us not love you. And I was like, I sat here like, wow, that was like 0.05 seconds that she just immediately went back with that. And while, so I get to see how they show me grace helps me in turn with the conversion experience that I had, you know, there's, I've had a few, but I feel like you kind of consistently as you grow, and especially for kids growing up, um, it, it is, there's, uh, I'm going to school for psychology now, my fourth college, um, and there's phases of growth from newborn to toddler, to adolescents, to teenagers and uh, young adults. And I'm going to school at a Christian college and in every section of that, they would break down the spiritual perspective of that. And it's in a psychology textbook is talking about the fact of what will keep a young adult, what will keep a teenager say as in church, like stuff like that, and how you treat them and what will cause them to maintain it. And really it talks about at 21, at, uh, not 21, at young adult phase, which is around 21, whatever, um, they're either going to, if it's been instilled and they've truly grabbed hold of it in the teenager phase, then it'll continue. If it's not something they've taken hold of for themselves, in that phase that when they're a young adult they're gonna rebel because it's something their parents do as a young adult they're going out on their own this is from a psychology textbook so it's crazy so you have to see that there is a conversion experience and there might be like one moment you can pinpoint or there might be a few moments that continued over the course of the years and so I can say from experience the 18 year old conversion experience that I usually put my finger on did not last for 21-year-old Esther. And 21-year-old Esther had to have her whole new conversion experience. And while I'm at 22, during that phase, I said to them, you know, I'm, I'm not doing well. I'm doing all these things and all whatever. I'm not that wild, don't freak out. But when I told them some stuff, their immediate reaction was grace. And so to see that on a completely human level, was so amazing to transfer onto me going to God and saying, I'm just not doing well and feeling his grace. And so that's what one of the things uh, talking about 2020 coming to a close, I have seen in such, have felt, have whatever, the grace of God on another level that I just didn't even think. And so, but part of that, part of me being able to say that is because of the grace my parents have shown me. And so, yes, you have to have these conversion experiences, but you're young and dumb, quite honestly. Your brain isn't fully developed. And so there's going to be mistakes. You're going to fall short. And I can say personally from experience, if I didn't have parents who were showing me grace, then they're humans, and so for me, 
you know, I've talked about before from the platform of my dad being a great example of a heavenly father. Well, you know, we're all made in the image of God, so God has paternal and maternal aspects, my opinion. And so I can say that about my mother, too. She gives a great example of what God's love towards me is like. And so saying that to say, no matter what, through all of the ups and downs, seeing their example of forgiveness and grace has in turn made me want to go and repent and want to ask God for forgiveness. And Bishop has talked about it, the difference between, what is it, just religion and sonship. And one is, I messed up, I hope my father doesn't find out. The other is, I messed up, I need to go tell my father. And so they, my relationship with them is able to be an example, a fleshly example of how the dynamic between my relationship with God should play out. And for me, I feel like that's been a huge help in keeping me. And so, yeah, I don't think it's good to end on any so. <laughs> well, I have a couple fun questions. Okay, let's do the fun. All right, questions. real quickly, do you guys ever pull pranks on each other? Uh, we did during quarantine, sort of. Well, yeah, the boys built a a, a door at the top of the stairs. at the top of the stairs, and we weren't allowed up. So one night we stole the door. Wrong with the man cave. And we put it downstairs by our rooms. Yeah, and then you guys hung your pictures. And yeah. oh, we hung our own pictures upstairs. Really big pictures. Yeah, that we cut with a knife. We stabbed them and we ripped them. Yeah, down. it was very aggressive. I have the footage if you're curious. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. Okay. You're <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. That we love them. Yeah. yeah. So they're usually more so the scheming up pranks to do against others. I think that's kind of. Uh, yeah. You mean like. Family in town? Other friends? Elizabeth and me. Camp. Oh, at camp. Oh, yes. At camp, Elizabeth and Timothy are masterminds. I'm just going to expose her fully. Elizabeth. Oh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth is the wildest prankster ever. Like, she's top notch. Yeah, so she looks quiet and shy and unassuming. It's all fake when it five, comes to pranks. Five feet of evil. Five feet and two inches of evil. Um, and now I so have to retire. Who has the worst coffee addiction in the family? And have you considered a family intervention? That might be me. I do four cups a day sometimes. I just drink one. I think mine has been the Esther's, longest. Esther's even out. Esther's is the longest, but she doesn't drink as much. I will make a pot for myself at school. I had three cups of decaf every day for no reason. Oh, I don't drink. I don't either. I, I did for oh. when I couldn't drink caffeine. But, yeah. Um, I think I have the longest running addiction because yeah. you started drinking coffee when you were like ten. So I started drinking black when I was ten. So um, what what piece of parental advice? I look at ten year olds and y'all were insane. <laughs> insane. It's true. I personally started drinking my coffee black at ten because I had previously. Been drinking coffee, how he they drink it, which means cream and sugar. And I just decided to try it black. And now I look at 10 year olds, and I was either a psychopath or y'all are psychopaths. <laughs> I don't know what, but I think my.
mine's probably the longest running. So we might need a family intervention. No, it's okay. Uh, Coffee's good. Is it an issue? No, no, I wouldn't say so. it's, it's, it's a family bonding. You know what? I could, I could give you that nectar, nectar, nectar from heaven. Nectar from I mean, we need an intervention on what kind we do. Uh, uh, no, 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 the best part of waking up—it's catchy, but it doesn't. Soldiers in your cup. Soldiers in your cup. Yeah. All right. Did you guys have something? You have raised your hand. Wow. Let me see. Oh, can you please demonstrate a six-person group hug for us, asking for a friend? I don't know. I've never done that before. I don't think we're hugged. I mean, I feel like that's how we could end it. That oh, seems right. Really I thought we were just going to do our okay, we'll end it with worship set. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll end it with that in a moment. I thought we were going to end with our Sunday night worship set. Our Sunday night worship set that we do every Sunday night. Yeah, we've got this morning. After church, yeah. We have a whole worship set after church. We have a worship set every night, every Sunday night. Yeah, well... Because we usually are in church on Sunday night. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. I will say it's a bit of a miracle that Leo is still here in a part of the family. Honestly, I didn't even know where he was oh, this whole time. Because at four in the morning, we were outside trying to find him. Yeah. Today. That was not... You um, might have to wake him like a baby. That was not conducive <laughs> to a Sunday morning. No. no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um... I want to I want to say one more thing I guess and then we're gonna wrap up okay. with the hug. Can you um, if you if you kind of look at the sequence of scripture, um, I'll just say it this way. Some of you may not maybe sort of like it or even agree with it, but I think it's accurate. And that is God created family before He created the church. Because family goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And the church, as we know, didn't start until the book of Acts. And uh, I, I think sometimes it's easy for us to get caught up with life, ministry, job, career, ambitions, and lose the importance and the value of our families. And um, the saying is, strong churches are made up of strong families. And so I wanna encourage all of you this evening, whatever the uh, specifics of your household, and I realize there's probably a few of you that are single, but maybe you're, uh, maybe you're even beyond where we are in this, and again, you've got adult grown children, you've got the empty nest. Um, whatever phase it is, every phase has potential to grow and develop beyond what it is. And um, as I've often used the analogy of my yard, uh, the good things don't happen by accident. They don't happen by default. The weeds grow by themselves. The vines take over by themselves, but the good stuff requires effort and work. And so I wanna, I wanna challenge you and encourage you and what a great week to take advantage of some focusing on um, family. And, um, you know, we don't have anything on the church schedule from tonight on. 
And I would encourage you. In fact, I'll insert one more thing. I'm trying to close. Um, I think, and I know there's some, sometimes this is not possible, but I just want to throw out there something that we have valued and tried to abide by, and that is as much as possible every day you ought to sit down and share a meal together. Amen. By default, that's usually dinner. But, and I realize again, sometimes schedule wise, but I, I'm encouraging you and not on the couch with the television going. Oh, he wanted to add to it. Not scattered all over the house. No phones at the table. No phones at the table. We, we, um, we're, we're, we're fairly good at that. No phones at the table. Um, but absolutely, I think that's huge. No phones at the table. Again, no television on in the background, no, no distractions. There's just, um, I have to tell you, one of the difficult things the last several months is not very often that it's six of us at the table anymore. Um, for a while, it's, at best, it's five. And then from time to time, it's less than that. But I, I think it's very important. And um, I know the scripture is, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? But I think we can say, what does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world and lose their families? And okay. so I, I want to encourage you. And so actually, I'm gonna, I want to pray before we group hug. <laughs> and um, so thank you for joining with us this evening. I hope and pray somehow this has been a blessing to you. Um, actually, I will just say this has been a blessing to me and um, hearing from uh, these four kids of mine <laughs> um, has, has been very, uh, very encouraging. And um, so, Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much again, God, for the privilege of being a part of your church, your kingdom. Lord, we have experienced so many different ways this year, the, uh, the ways in which that, that is, takes place. We still try to do some of the things that we're used to doing, that we love to do, but we also are learning more and more that being the church, being the body of Christ is not limited to certain circumstances and situations and so I pray, God, that you would, as we continue navigating the season we're in, and you alone know exactly what the future holds, I, I pray for every household that's a part of this congregation. And I realize that there are a lot of different dynamics throughout this congregation. There are single people that live alone. There are, uh, there are a variety of family types and dynamics. And so I pray that for every household, God, that you would touch and strengthen. I pray for every family, Lord, that you would bring healing and wholeness to any, any divisions that there may be in relationships and homes. I pray that there would be a healing that would come from your spirit. I pray your blessings upon us over the next several days, Lord, as we, as we celebrate family time, spending time together, those that are going to exchange gifts over the next couple of days or on Christmas Day. I pray that you would bless our times. Lord, I pray that as we wind down this year that's been such a unique year that your spirit would abide in each one of our homes. 
that everything we do over the next couple of days, your presence would, would just saturate the things that we do. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen.